Hi, and welcome to the podcast ministry of New Life Church in Springfield, Ohio. We hope that the transformative truths of God's Word impact, challenge, and bless you. I want you to encourage you to trust God's process for your life, His, your, His process for your, uh, uh, for your future. It can be kind of hard to do at times. It can be hard to... Uh, to just let uh, let things you know develop as he wants to because it's really easy to want to be our own advocate right it's easy to want to be uh, want to get involved want to start you know taking things that we've kind of given over to God and taking back into our own hands and start to try and make things happen you know what I mean um, I, I think that it would be a really uh, one of the most nerve wracking of jobs would be. Uh, to be in the car with one of these guys who is testing every everybody on their driver's test, and because uh, you want to give them enough, you know, you have to give them enough leeway to make mistakes, and that's a scary proposition, right? Like you, you have to give, you have to allow them to make mistakes. But the thing is, they're driving a motor vehicle, and so you know, how much you know leeway do you give them to make mistakes? Like I would constantly have my hand on, you know, my, my foot on the brake and my hand on the other steering wheel or whatever it is. Like you know, that would be kind of nerve wracking because these people, by definition, are not experienced drivers. Um, you know, and it's it would be very very easy to just jump right back in and constantly you know take the wheel from them and just you know reach over. You ever been there? You ever you ever been in the car with somebody who you think is just, you know. Playing with you, playing with your life, you know, just you know, just don't trust them at all, and it's it's tempting to reach out and touch the you know the steering wheel or or stomp on the brake. Or I, I think, especially if you had your own brake, how often would you use it? It can be that way sometimes when we're trusting God and trying to trust Him with radical faith, and you know, in seasons in our life, it's real easy to be like, God, I give this to you, I'm going to trust you through this, and then halfway through the process, when we don't see it materializing in our time and our way, it's real easy to stomp on the brake or to hit the accelerator or to kind of grab hold of the wheel and then just feel a little better about it and start to try and take back that control over our life. I've been in some seasons and fought battles where I thought that my mouth was the best advocate that I had, the things that I could say, the thing that I could do, right? I thought I could defend me the best, and that, that's how I needed to deal with the, you know, the problems, deal with the issues. Um, but, uh, and I, I do remember uh, a man of God who spoke into my life in a, time, in a very challenging time and said, uh, you know, prophesied over me, really said, if you fight this battle on your own, you will win at a terrible cost. But if you let me fight it, You'll win without even denting your armor, is what he basically said. Now, the wording was a little bit different, but that's what I kind of took away from it. If you will let God deal with it, if you let God fight your battles, uh, then, uh, then you'll have the right outcome. If you take the control back from me, you, you might win, but it's going to be a slugfest. It's going to be a mess. It's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt you know, your friends. It's going to hurt your family. It's going to hurt all these different things. You know, but you've got to give God the control I thought that you know, I was the best advocate, me arguing for my case, me arguing for my point of view or for my, how right I was in the situation. You know, it's easy to feel like that's the best option, but there was a better advocate. Amen? There's a better advocate. First John 2 and 1 says, we have an advocate with the Father. And I'll tell you, the Holy Spirit is an advocate. Christ is our advocate. Whenever we let him fight our battles, whenever we let him lead us and guide us, like we preached on this, this Sunday morning on the 23rd Psalm, he's the good shepherd. He leads me beside still waters. He's a better advocate. He, he's the one that you want to let have a little bit of leeway and have, a, you know, have his, his control in your life. 
And uh, so I, I want to read the scripture real quick, but uh, the problem is it's not a real quick scripture. It's like four chapters worth, and I know we're not going to do that tonight. Uh, we, we're not going to read all four chapters, but uh, uh, how have you ever done a devotional or preached a message or shared something you know, from the Word? In any, raise your hand if you've done that in any way, shape, or form. You know, just shared something or preached at some point. So you know that if you've done it very much, sometimes the scope of what you want to say spans like eight chapters or at least like the whole story of what's going on. So it's like, well, you know, where, do I, where do I take a text? Because I'm talking about the whole, you know, four passages or the whole chapter, and I can't read the whole longest chapter in the world. So, um, but at the same time, we need to always, you know, read from the Word and take a text. But sometimes what you say isn't just in one scripture. You're kind of talking about the narrative of the whole story or the whole passage of God's Word. That's kind of where I am tonight. Um, so I will read a, a part of a, of a passage, Genesis 39, 16 through 23. And the setup to this is what happens when Joseph uh, has been, you know, he, from the very beginning, Joseph is working with his older, his older brothers. They don't like him because he's a rat. He always, you know, you know tells on them. Um, you remember the story in Genesis, Joseph, you know, this, this son, he's always ratting them out because they're being lazy on the job, and so they get mad, they have enough of his dreams about how he dreamed that, you know, all these you know, sun and moon, 11 stars are going to bow down to him, and this, you know, the, the stalks of grain are going to, you know, bow down and worship him. He's having these dreams, and everybody's fed up with it, so the brothers all gang up on him, grab him, and throw him into the pit, and then they pull him out of the pit, and sell him into slavery because they don't quite want to kill him, and they might as well get some money out of him. And I, I, I saw something. I'm not going to preach this. I don't even know how I would, but it really interested me. Um, Johnny, you'll like this. Um, so you know who they sold him to? Uh-huh. The Ishmaelites. The Ishmaelites. And it, it, made me, it made me think about this. I was like, so you're telling me the brothers sold him to his cousins? Think about this. Who's Ishmael? Yeah, you like that? I know there's a message in there somewhere, but for now we're just having fun with it. But I, I don't know. I don't, maybe I could preach that. You, know, you, you, you can't trust nobody. How's that for a message? You can't trust your family. You know, none of them sometimes. No, that's not, that's not a good edifying message. But yeah, he actually, they, it, it's, it's very, very close to home because he actually, his brothers, you know, grab him, throw him in the pit, and they pull him out of the pit only to sell him to other people that he actually knew and probably saw. And you're like, you, we know who you are, you know? It's kind of like if somebody were to come in and rob your store and then you hear them through the voice, you're like, I know you, put that gun down. That's how he's kind of feeling about this. So the levels of betrayal just keep going with Joseph, like, you know, the things that he has to go through because all the way, you know, in slavery, he's been enslaved by his very cousins because you understand that uh, um, Ishmael was the son of his grandfather, like the other one. So they're like third cousins, these guys probably, Right? Very interesting. So he gets thrown into the pit, sold into slavery, lands on his feet, you know, making the best of a bad situation, goes into Potiphar's house, and next thing you know, he's running the whole house. Potiphar's a big deal as well. He's an aggressive guy. He's a man of war. He's captain of the guard. Uh, he's a violent guy. That you don't get to be the captain of the guard, you know, in the uh, you know in, in this period in history by being a politician. Like you're a violent, you know, man of war. And next thing you know, Potiphar's wife sees him, likes what she sees. Wait till Potiphar's out doing his thing, you know. I don't know what, you know, he's the captain of the guard. You know, he's on duty or he's, you know, at war perhaps. Who knows what he's doing. And uh, so she tries to hit on Joseph. And 
you know, somehow manages to, you know, to get the coat away from him. And then he says, no, I'm not about this. I'm not going to do it. Um, you know, how can I do this thing to my master who's been nothing but good to me? So he runs out of the house, you know, leaves his jacket behind. She's got evidence now. And she says, look, this guy has come in here to mock me. She's making all these inferences. And Potiphar is, uh, you know, he gets furious. He can't believe what Joseph has, quote, unquote, done. He believes his, his lying, you know, wife over, over Joseph, which is normal, and then throws him into prison. Next thing you know, he's landing there. So I'm going to pick up the reading in verse 19. So it was when his master heard the words which his wife spoke to him, saying, your servant did this to me after this manner, that his anger was aroused. Then Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. And there he was in the prison. I almost wonder a little bit if, like, you know, putting him in, in the prison where the king's prisoners were confined, like kind of in a more maybe nicer part of the prison. He's like, yeah, I've caught her in a lie or two before, so I do have to do this to save face, but mm, maybe. Maybe you did that. Maybe you didn't. Um, but the Lord was with Joseph. And showed him mercy, and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority, because the Lord was with them, and whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. So I will read that passage of scripture, and I want to uh, just talk to you, just try to go through this as quickly as I can here. Sometimes good decisions can land you in the same trouble as bad decisions. Now, this is how we have to kind of balance out life sometimes. Um, you can do the right thing and still end up you know, in trouble, especially in the world, you know, with, with, a, with a society that doesn't value the things of God, that, that doesn't see things the way that the Word sees things or says that they are. In a, in a society and world um, and life that contradicts the Word of God, you know, that whole world system, you can do right and still land in the same position as those who did wrong. It's tough to be Joseph in the sense that he looked around and he was the only one in the prison who actually shouldn't have been there. That's hard because, you know, it's really hard for us Christians because we trust God to balance the scales, right? And so when we're sitting there and we're in just as bad a shape as everybody who didn't even do the right things and you know, wasn't faithful to God and God hasn't communicated with it, it can be very frustrating to say, you know, why, why do I even do anything? Why, why do I tell the truth? Why do I do this to myself, you know? I don't know if you've ever been there. Maybe you've been there at work in a situation or, you know, and, and you got in trouble for, for trying to do the right thing and then everybody hated you because you told the truth about what actually happened on the line. You know, this kind of stuff does happen. We've all probably in some degree been on that kind of situation. And Joe's like, why do I open my mouth? You know, I wouldn't even have to lie if I could just shut up, if I could just stop. You'd think I would learn. I have the, and then you got, I've got this cushy job in Potiphar's house. I'm actually better off than I've ever been. I'm doing great. You know, everything, you know, he, everything is good. And then this woman hits on me, and you know, this beautiful woman. Um, and why, why, you know, why do I even do the right thing? Because every time I do the right thing, I get punished for it. That's the, that, and see, that's the narrative that the enemy wants to start to teach you. And we have to unlearn that. We have to trust God. But I do think that it's, uh, it, it's tough. And so then Joseph is sitting there in the, in the prison. He's like, why do I say, why do I talk? Why do I talk? Why do I say anything? Why do I even try to do what's right? Every time, like, I go a level, a level lower than where I was before. I went from the pit to Potiphar's house, and then now I'm, even, I'm in prison. Back in chains again. The brothers that threw him in that pit did so because of him telling the truth, not a lie. Whereas the other two guys that are mentioned in the story, the baker and the butler, are in there because they actually have done wrong. However, let's talk about that for just a second. 
the baker and the butler. For those of you who don't remember the story, um, there's two of Pharaoh's, um, his, his butler and his, which is cupbearer, and his baker, and they are both in prison uh, awaiting their sentences. One that we know will eventually be death and the other will be restored you know, to be his, his lead butler again. Which begs the question, if you're me, Missy, it begs this question, how bad of a meal do you have to cook to be thrown in jail and then eventually, after careful consideration, killed for it? Because that's literally what happened here. How bad, what, kind of, what kind of cake is that? You know? Because obviously it wasn't like you know, he had tried to poison him or tried to kill him or something, or he would have been done immediately, done. But Pharaoh had to think about it. And on his birthday, he's like, you know what? I just hated that so bad. Just kill him. It's horrible. Horrible. How bad? You know? I mean, I, I watched a couple episodes, at least, of Downton Abbey as far as the butler goes, you know, because one of those guys was accused of theft, and I could see him getting in trouble and then getting thrown into jail, um, you know, and like, did he really steal it or did somebody else steal it? And, you know, he stole my, you know, my you know, watch or necklace or whatever it was, and, you know, out of my stuff. But the baker, you never saw him getting in huge trouble. Like, how bad do you, do you how bad of a scone what do you bake to to land yourself in that kind of trouble i don't know but at the end of the story the baker will be bearing the king's cup again and the baker will be killed on pharaoh's birthday kind of as a present to himself these are these are some messed up people that god gives him favor with but for joseph he sees one that gets forgiven one didn't but joseph said here i didn't do anything in the first place it's very hard for him to trust the process. It's hard for us to trust the process of God uh, whenever we see everybody you know, going through this, going through that, and, and just zero, you know, it feels like you know, you're just kind of on the periphery. You're like, nothing that you do right matters. And that's when the idea of being your own advocate really, really comes in. You know, you, you, and, and so Joseph actually in the in the in this prison he prophesies over both of these guys. You know, he he tells them this is what's going to happen. You know, in three days this is what's going to happen to you. So everybody's coming to him for help. He's helping fair. You know, he's helping Potiphar out. He's helping his brothers out. He's help, trying to help the father out. He's always you know everybody comes to him with their problems or with you know their needs and their interpret you know their dreams to be interpreted. And it would be really easy for Joseph to just start looking out for himself for once and start to say, uh, you know, it starts to network and use his gifting for his own self. Because, you know, I've got this gift, I've got this ability, this dream and stuff. I'm going to start, you know, watching my own back. I'm going to start looking out for me. Because apparently I'm everybody's encouragement but my own. Apparently I'm everybody's help but my own. Apparently I can bless everybody in this jail but me. It's about time that I started looking out for me, started to use, become my own advocate. You ever, and, and I know that we can feel that way sometimes. You're like, I, I, it, it seems like I can, I can help somebody else break through. I can pray for them and I can give them the encouraging words that they need and they, and they walk away all feeling a little encouraged and that's great. They get up out of the altar, but not me. I seem to be able to affect everybody else and pray for them and uplift them except for myself. And it is easy to feel forgotten, amen? But this is a, this is kind of what I wanted to, uh, to encourage you with here tonight. You have no idea how hard God fought the enemy over you. Over your destiny. Over your survival. You think he's not present. He is very present. For every pebble that gets through, think of all the stones and arrows that he blocked. 
Joseph is sitting there, I am so forgotten. And God would say to him, if you only knew the, the, the forces that are arrayed against you, that I have protected you. And here, check this out. The original plan of the brothers was to kill him. It wasn't to throw him in a pit. It was to kill him. And God, on his behalf, spared him. Caused them to be spared. Now, I read this today. Um, Jacob, the father, fooled his father with goat's hair. But his sons fooled him with goat's blood. See, if you understand that story a little bit, the, 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 the one fooled his father with goat's hair. He said, I'm Esau, feel my arm, see how hairy I am. And then he stole the blessing of the firstborn. His sons took the coat of many colors, stripped it from off of Joseph, threw him into a pit, and ripped it up, and then poured, the Bible says, goat's blood on it. We have to be very careful, especially those of us you know, who have a family, who have a young family, or are in a place of, of children in our family will do. And what we do matters because the things that we do, our children and our family will do in, in excess of what we do. Amen? Whenever they're looking, they're learning. And they took that next step. You know, he, he fooled his father with goat's hair. They fooled him with goat's blood. Be very careful about what you're speaking into. You know, if they see you, if they see you praying, then maybe, maybe they're, they're going to preach. Maybe they're going to prophesy. But if they see you uh, doing other things, maybe, uh, maybe they'll take that to, the, you know, to its natural next level. Amen? Let's, let's be the example that, that we can be. Amen? Praise God. It was God that stayed the hands of Joseph's brothers. The original plan was to kill him and then cast him into some pit. And then here's, here's this terrible, terrible, like it, it almost like gives you cold chills, uh, you know, how wicked uh, what they say is. When they say, we'll kill him and we'll cast him into the pit. We're making the plan. We see him. There he is. And you know what they said, the little addendum to it? And then we will see what becomes of his dreams. Now, here's the problem. I believe in, uh, you preach that for a second, but I believe that God was challenged in that moment, not just Joseph. Came against the dream. You can come against a lot of things, but you start to come against God. You start, and God said, no, no. You can do a lot. You can get away with a lot. You can tear up the robe. You can kill the goat. You can fool some people. But you can't, you don't have, let me tell you, let me speak this over your life in the name of Jesus, church. He, the enemy does not have the authority to kill the dream. He can do a lot to undermine you. He can do a lot to cause you to doubt. He can do a lot to make you feel bad and to confuse you and to bring these different things and array them against you to where you don't see the dream anymore. You don't understand how it's going to happen, how it's going to come to pass. But, but God starts to, he starts to get involved. He, he starts to, he, you know, may, maybe God is just watching them, uh, things unfold and, you know, they're, they're jealous and, you know, he's, he's dealing with Joseph. And then he hears, and, and then we'll see what happens to the dreams. And God's like, excuse me. You, you can't touch my anointed any further than what you've already done. You, you've, you've had enough. I can't wait till the enemy over some of your life uh, hears God say, that, that'll be enough. You can touch a lot of things on my servant. You can cause some things, and you can attack, and you can come against them, but you do not have the authority to derail the dream and the promise and the anointing over their life. You don't have that power. When God looks at you and said, you can throw them in the pit, 
but the dream will survive. You don't have the power to derail the dream, the anointing, the purpose that God has for you. Nothing. Don't worry about it. Hang in there. Don't, you don't have to be your own advocate. God, in his power and authority and anointing, says to you, they don't have the ability to derail the dream, to derail what I have promised you. They can do a lot to confuse you, and they can take you on a long, cir- circu- circuitous, circuitous route. But they don't have any control over the destination, not in the end. See, a lot of what you hold on to is perishable, but the dream isn't. God let a lot happen, but not for a moment was the dream endangered. What's that song that we do? Not for a moment was I forsaken. The Lord is in this place. Why don't you come play that real quick? Amen. Appreciate it. She's on it. See, everybody wanted to kill him, but they have to settle for the pit because a dream can survive the pit. Potiphar's wife puts him in a bad spot. She, she's uh, trying to... Uh, Think how, how here, let, 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 me, let me ram this one last thing home, and then maybe you'll understand exactly what God had to do to keep this dream alive. How much interference God had to run, how much blocking. You ever, you ever, see, you ever see a skinny little running back running behind these big old monsters? There's a lot of blocking that had to happen for him to get uh, to the first down line. You know, that, that, that's where you win the game a lot of times is on the offensive line. God was running a lot of blocking ahead of it, and it looks like God's forgotten, and God has not forgotten. He is blocking some things in the name of Jesus. You may feel like God has forgotten some things, and he's allowed a lot to slip through. You have no idea what kind of blocking he is doing for you, making sure that the dream is not crushed. Think about this. You know, I told you, I, I kind of made a joke about it, but I have a point. You, how psycho Pharaoh was. We are talking about a people and a culture and an inner circle that will kill somebody over an undercooked cake. Like cut his head off on your birthday. This is, that's the, you know, tell you what, the world's still like that. They will slice you up, cut you up and spit you out. I've seen, I've seen it happen the way that people treat, you know, they'll, 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 they'll lie, they'll cheat, they'll say anything that they can get away with just to step on somebody else. I've seen it. It's vicious out there if you're not careful. People can be like that. People who have jealousy issues, they, 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 will, they will speak, uh, you, know, you know, things and lies and try, to, and try to get people to turn their back on you and, and say things about you, behind you. People will do that way. It's sin. And God loves those people just as much as he loves me. But that don't make it right. That's what the world is like. So you need to understand that um, Egypt, you know, that, that's how it goes. We're talking about a Pharaoh who, because of an undercooked cake, um, cut somebody's head off. And because the butler dropped the wine, he gets thrown into prison for who knows how long. What do you think happens to the attempted rapist of a captain of the guard? Are you kidding me? It really hit me because Joseph was innocent of this charge, but she had the goods on him. You know, sometimes you feel like, you know, the enemy's got the goods on you and you're trying, you know that you did right, but the enemy is still coming for you. She, she, and she's telling Potiphar, you know, look what he did. I've got the evidence right here. I've got the death sentence in my hand. You know, this Hebrew boy, this, 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 this Hebrew slave and make sure they, they, they threw in the racial thing. You know, and this Hebrew slave came in here to mock me and, 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 and look what he's done. What are you going to do to him? And it just kind of, like, it kind of, I was like, really? He goes to a plush prison? 
because Potiphar's lie can come against and it can, it can affect us and it can hurt us and sometimes and it can even seem to dis- derail the plan that we have for our lives and, and where we're at, but it does not have the authority to kill and end the dream. So you can wind, you, the, the first, and God's just in there, I'm sorry, like, but the, the farthest that what the enemy can do to you is send you to the prison because the dream will survive. And whenever it all comes home, we know what happens. Joseph winds up coming out of the prison using the prophetic or the, you know, the, the ability to interpret dreams that God has given him. And he winds up blessing that same rotten family that threw him in the pit in the first place, comes full circle, and God blesses through him. And he blesses him, brings him right back into the, into the line of God's favored because the enemy does not have the authority to end the dream, to derail the dream. That's why I encourage you to trust the process. He can do a lot. It's true, and it hurts. And he can throw you in the prison. He can throw you in the pit. He can do a lot of different stuff, but not for a moment were you forsaken. God was running defense. He was blocking for you. He was making sure that nothing got through that could destroy his promises over your life. 